Grinning cyberspace and welcome to episode 167 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian and Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, this is like, I think, week four of us doing like a weekly thing, right? Yeah, it's been good. Today's going to be uh, less tech It's going to be short. Related, short. And yeah, and much more UAP focused. I still hate saying that. I know. Well, we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, I, I have bad news for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Last week, I drank a cold brew. Um, and right before recording, maybe like a half hour ago, I took an edible, a THC edible. Oh, uh, it may, it probably won't do anything to me because honestly, everything THC related doesn't do anything to me. But if it does, this will be a fun recording for us. I also um, stopped by our government weed store and bought some pre-rolled joints. So I'm going to be um, uh, smoking one uh, before we record the next time. What does your wife think of all this? She loves she it. Seems, she seems pretty straight edge. She loves it. I mean, not in the sense that like she's a weed addict or anything, but she enjoys the fact that like I do these things. Okay, that's, I mean, otherwise she wouldn't be, you, you would have just lasted two years because your anniversary was just this week. Exactly, we would have ended things um, and gone our separate ways. No, we, we talk about these things, she's fine with it, so okay, I'm, good. I'm good. I'm okay with putting it out there because it's all legal now, right? Yeah, it's fine. You're not going to get in trouble. No, well, so I might get in trouble though. You, I, mm, How do I put this nicely? I've looked up the city plans for your water reservoirs and like a Batman villain, I want to dump a lot of THC in there to like l- let you go nuts. I was just going to say, I'm actually having a nice glass of Yoshi water. As you can see, it's in a Yoshi glass. <laughs> and uh, I'm drinking the remnants of a uh, water bottle that we had this weekend. Because uh, remnants, water, when you it's go like, away, the, there's, it's almost completely full. That's true. But I, I did open it like before. So to me, it's a remnant. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because you were away this weekend. I was, yeah. Uh, we decided to go away for our two-year um, to the, the area where we got married, which is uh, an hour north of Ottawa. Um, to all Canadians out there, that kind of makes sense to you. To everyone else in the world, I don't know, look up, look it up, use a map. Ottawa's our uh, capital. Wake, Wakefield, Quebec, yeah. Um, how about the, the local hockey team, eh? Let's not, no, I'm kidding, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast about tech. Uh, yeah, I am also not a fan of, um, have we talked about how I'm not a fan of most like professional sports? Have we talked about this? I, I believe, like, I know you aren't, so. Well, let me explain my rationale for this, right? So, okay. Um, if professional sports actually accurately represented the people who live in that town, I'd be fine with it, right? So, for example, like, if the Montreal Canadiens was uh, made up of people from Montreal, I'd be fine with that. Okay. But it's the idea of attaching a name um, to a bunch of athletes who are non-local that kind of, like, the the sort of, like, the the jingoism, the patriotism that, like, goes alongside uh, backing a, a team of sorts is, is um, uh, I don't know, it goes counterintuitive to like what it is to cheer a local sports team. Uh, the same thing, though, like the um, different teams in the Euro Cup this year, like I don't care. I haven't really been watching Euro. I've, I did watch the uh, Formula One race today. Well, I was going to say, like, you're an F1 boy, right? Like, that's what yeah, you that's are. Yeah, that's really the only yeah. sport I watch. And it's, it's very tech related as well. So, yeah. Would you ever consider watching any NASCAR? Not really. It's, uh, it's, 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 I don't know. Choose your risk carefully. Much, uh, I don't know. It's, they just go around in circles, don't they? Uh, they absolutely do, Angela, but it's an Ironman test, right? You do 500 laps in a car. These drivers are usually losing a couple of pounds of sweat per week. Um, well, one, uh, little turn of the wheel goes wrong and you flip over at that speed. Yeah, I know. F1 as well. They like at the end of the race, they've lost several pounds. Yeah. So I'm saying is that like you're downing one and not the other. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's just F one. I don't know. It's uh, there's, a, there's a lot of dead. There's a lot of like a, a lot of silence here. A lot of yeah, well, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to like see how to explain it. But there's a lot more to the tracks in F one, right? There's more, and there's more to the cars. Like 
NASCAR. Are, is there more it's their cars? stock cars specifically, right? Because it's yeah, but it's very to, to me that's very interesting because of the idea that you get like a specific set of cars and that you need to optimize that car specific ways that are legal to um, the rules of the race. Which I find very interesting is like how do you win when there are that many options on the table? Either yeah, and F one is different in that there's a set of rules, but everybody makes their own car. You're editing this week, right? Like you're putting the chapters in so people can just fast forward this this random talk that we're having right now. I haven't. You know what? I haven't put in chapters in a while, but it's because both episodes I've edited recently had guests and I usually don't put chapter markers when we have guests. You just, it runs the full gamut here. The full, yeah. you know, fireside chat of uh, what it's like to be a double density guest. But I will, I will put this in. Uh, hopefully uh, people have skipped this. Uh, <laughs> if they don't <laughs> this preamble. Yeah. Um, so when we have one big thing that we want to talk about in the tech um, side of things this week and uh, your uh, response to me sharing this with you was very surprising. So I linked you to a Twitter thread by Luna at Luna Sorcery all about game preservation. And, and who so is Luna? She, she's just a random person. Oh, okay. She's just a random person and I saw this. Okay, I thought you know her. No, I saw this uh, get retweeted a bunch and I thought this was super interesting so I figured I'd share this with you. Um, so what it is is uh, a, a person named Luna um, turns out they had like a very early build of Minecraft and a lot of people um, these days especially in this ever-shifting non-physical digital age are doing a lot of like preservation work for older video games. Um, there are multiple groups like uh uh, devoted to this. There's there are huge scenes. So Luna had a very rare build that the Minecraft community was like looking for, and they managed to give it to them. And the Minecraft community exploded in joy. And uh, I kind of did. I, did I say this in our in the in the message I sent you? But I I feel like Minecraft is like a ship of Theseus at this point, right? Like it's changed so much from the original build that it's not even the same game anymore. But I I say this as somebody who has never played Minecraft. I know what I it is. I was about to say, yeah. I mean, it, it is like on a base level. Yes, absolutely. It is the same sort of like game um, as it was like 10, 12 years ago. But I mean, like the add-ons, the the features and everything, the way that like people consume and play it. Like there's like the hardcore Minecraft. You know what that is, right? Like if you, you play a high difficulty setting, and if you die, you die. It, it, yeah, sort of. Uh, what's the term I'm looking for for one of those games? Reality? Yeah, reality, I guess. No, it's those uh, those games where you keep dying. I mean, to me, like less players call that hardcore. So I mean, that's hardcore. Okay, kind of like uh, in um, what's the game I played there? The um, it's the strategy game on any on on Nintendo systems. SimCity. <sighs> Hold on, I'm gonna look it up before I go inside. All right, I'm gonna vamp. Uh, you know, uh, Minecraft is but one of the many, many different kinds of video games that uh, people are looking to preserve. If you go to archive.org, you can start digging around and seeing old builds of games, right? And they're they're nebulously in a gray zone of legality in that, like, um, a lot of them are being offered, but until I guess the copyright holder um, comes down on them. Uh, that becomes uh, an issue. Did you find what you were looking for? No, and I have the game. I just can't think of the name. Is it Mirror 64? Is it Star Fox 64? Ogre Battle 64? You sure it's not SimCity? Why can't I think of what it's called? Fire Emblem. That's it. Fire uh, Emblem. Okay. So in Fire Emblem, you can actually have a, a... You can play the game where your characters you have will actually die in battle and you can't bring them back. Right. I don't think that's exactly what you meant as well. Not in the least, no. Uh, I was thinking about ActRaiser 2. Did you ever play ActRaiser? It was like the weird Super Nintendo uh, f- like um, side-scrolling action, but then um, like a SimCity-style like, uh, uh, city builder. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, of course. ActRaiser okay. had like some of the best music as well. Yes, absolutely. By uh, Yuzu Koshiro. I could not tell you their name, so congrats to you. Yeah. Anyways, I, this thread is just very indicative of the way... for Streets of Rage and stuff, no? Oh, did he? Because I love Streets of Rage. I'll yeah. listen to those two soundtracks all day long. But the thing is, they're tagged as Sega... Um, on my streaming services. Yeah, use a cashier. 
Perfect. Um, all that to bring back to the idea of uh, preservation in these modern times, right? And I feel you would appreciate this as someone who like has like like a was like a double um, um, safeguards in terms of like your family photos. Yeah, triple, quadruple. Because <laughs> I was gonna say like like uh, to you, it seems inconsequential almost to save these builds, right? Like, how do you feel about this? Because no, I not at all. I think it's great. I, I think for historical purposes, it's important to to kind of keep video games. A lot of these things, like eventually, at one point. Every NES console is going to break and we won't be able to play these cartridges anymore. So we have to make sure we have a way of preserving the ROMs somehow. I'm down with that. I absolutely agree with that. Um, the unreleased ROMs out there are also insane. I saw something pop up on the um, Lost Media Reddit uh, subreddit. So if you just want to vamp for like 30 seconds while I do this, I'm going to just dig this up. Actually, you know what? I'm going to vamp myself while we're talking about this here. Well, right I was going to say, I have a game and... sort of like this that you can't get anymore on my PS4 and that's PT. Oh, yeah. Well, that's right. It's, so, it's, it's it's only the 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 demo, right? Yeah, it's only the demo because it was they never made it after. But like, if I get rid of that demo, I can never download it again. But I have it saved on my PS4, and I think it makes my PS4 worth fifteen thousand dollars, right? Or something. Almost, like that. yeah. Yeah. So if you head to the show notes, Angela, I drop something in. Great. And um, that I found really interesting. So it's an old DS game. Get get a load of that. A McDonald's training game. Yeah. At a flea market. So you had it. So that's kind of neat. So, uh, so for a while, there's a so I linked Angelo, and we're going to drop this in the actual show notes. So, because I hate that thing when podcasters talk about something and then don't share it either on socials or through the show notes. Speaking of show notes, and this is technology related, I heard that Apple Podcasts app has not been showing show notes properly. And really, I haven't heard that either. But I haven't really. Uh, I don't use Apple Podcasts. No, right? We're cool. We use Overcast. It's true. Uh, everyone should subscribe to like Marco's baby app. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, so uh, to come back to this, uh, <laughs> uh, wait. So firstly, let's 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 go inwards to outwards. Uh, Apple Podcast has been showing show notes recently. Where did you hear this? The internet, probably. Yeah, no, actually, uh, they were talking about it on ATP. Uh, aforementioned Overcast and Marco. He was talking about how Overcast was showing links properly, but the uh, Apple Podcast app was not showing their links properly for their show. Uh, funny enough, though, it was showing it properly for their paid show. So that RSS feed was showing it properly, but the other one wasn't. There was some sort of developer type of stuff going on there that went over my head. But uh, apparently some problems. If if you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts and haven't seen our show notes, let us know and we will try to fix it, although we probably won't be able to. You can also just head over to doubledensity.net, click on the episode link, right, to get the notes there if you're like... They're all there. But that's that extra step. Um, Speaking of Apple Podcasts, this isn't something we talked about, but uh, um, being able to subscribe money-wise to a podcast through Apple... Yeah, that's sort of a new thing they're doing and it's not really fully fleshed out because I think it sort of locks you into Apple Podcasts. Yeah, exactly. And nobody really wants that. Um, I mean, unless you're Joe Rogan and you want to be locked into Spotify and then Spotify regretting every minute of having you locked in. Well, no, you don't get locked in there. They give you a $100 million paycheck and you say, yes, please, can I have some more? Yeah, and then he does whatever the hell he wants and pisses them off. Well, I mean, move to Austin, talk about uh, lockdown measures, talk about Vic. Well, let's not do this. Um, no. And then there's those other guys there, Barry and uh, what's his name? Bruce. They have their no, own Bruce, podcast. Yeah. yeah. I think it ended, thankfully. Thank God for small mercies. Uh, but to come back to the, to the little guy who wants to get off a podcast, isn't this just a very specific way of getting a Patreon? Sort of, yeah. And then you don't you have to give Apple 30%? <laughs> well, I was going to say like a, like a locked-in Apple Patreon almost, right? Yeah. I, honestly, not worth it. Apple these days, with the way they uh, deal with subscriptions and stuff, uh, not impressing me. Um, uh, related to that, though, talking about Patreons, I don't know. Uh, 
Do you you don't have the Reddit app on your phone, right? No, if I need to use Reddit on my phone, I'll just go to the the, to Safari, the Safari link or whatever. Okay. But uh, Reddit is very much a desktop type thing for me. I don't know why, and I don't really go on Reddit very much because you don't strike me as someone who's subscribed to a lot of subreddits. I I don't know how many I'm subscribed to. So quite a few actually. Okay. The whole reason I bring that up is because I my wife and I both use the um, the Reddit app, and we've getting we've been getting like uh, ads for OnlyFans, but for like non sex work ideas of like launching your album or dropping a single. So OnlyFans, I'm not super familiar with it, uh, apart from the fact that, it, is it like only sex work related? I guess it's not. not only, it, I, it's become majorly sex work related, but it's a platform where any creator can share um, any sort of, of media for a fee, right? Patreon-ish. So, yeah, exactly, yeah. Except more is permissible there. Um, Obviously. It's, it's funny because <laughs> they're trying to they're trying to pivot out of sex work and grow grow it a lot. Um, so, but like, it's just weird because it there's such a connotation, a strong connotation culturally of it being attached to sex work that now them trying to pitch me on releasing my new album on OnlyFans is a little bit odd. It'd be funny. It's like, oh yeah, I check out my OnlyFans page. I'm like, no, not real thanks. I'm yeah. Not, I got feet pics. I don't like I got you that things. way. I got feet pics and I got rap music. You know, onlyfans.com slash Brian Hasty. I'm, I have uh, 19 subreddits. Okay. That's, that's not a lot. No, I guess not. I and, don't even want to count. And they're very on brand for me. If you were to go to, would go to look. So let me, let, let's, uh, did we forget our, our one topic has turned into 17? <laughs> yes. As always, uh, just let you know, I counted 19 subreddits I'm subscribed to and I am only in the B's. Oh, okay. So Apple, Apple TV. Card Magic, Cortex, which is a podcast to listen to, Eero, which is my which is my my uh, router, Formula One, Hello Internet, which is a podcast no no longer is on, uh, HomePod, iPad, Logic Studio, Magic, not the Gathering. I was about to say uh, Magic Ninten- uh, MG, like isn't it MG MTG like uh, CCG? Uh, like I don't a, know a bunch of subreddits. Yeah, uh, Nintendo Switch, No Sleep, Paranormal, Podcasts, RetroPie, Space. UFOs and yoga. I was I was just thinking about your your retro pie the other day. Have you touched that at all recently? Mm, not in the last few months. Okay. Um, it's 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 hooked up to our TV in the basement now. Uh, still works. I haven't I have not updated. I'm I'm actually noticed. I've I've noticed there's an update for it. I'm too scared to update it because of what you've told me. <laughs> Where like sometimes updates completely screw up the way it works. Yes, but no. I mean, I would check the stability of it by just checking online and seeing what other people are saying, right? Because usually that's what I do before I go through installing anything. Yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, I have all the ROMs and well, stuff. I was going to say, just you, just re, you just either yeah. reflash the, yeah. the memory or just rebuild the USB key, right? Not the end of the world. No. So that's what are we talking that, about here, Brian? <laughs> uh, video game preservation. OnlyFans. Right. Uh, living, loving life. McDonald's training game. Yes. So McDonald's training game uh, that was selling for like 300 bucks. Or uh, three hundred thousand yen. Super interesting stuff. The the one off stuff that you don't really see. Um, and so people had thought this was lost time or was made up um, for yeah. For a and while. It, it makes me think of those um, that championship game that's worth so much from the NES. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. So those are, are worth a lot uh, because they're so rare. Most people NES carts they have are worthless, right? Because they made so many of them. So funny you should mention that. So I um, on my way home we saw a flea market. And it was, so it was very sparsely like attendants were like, Hey, let's put our masks on and take a look. There's maybe like 15 tables. 
and they're mostly like people, older people selling glassware, right? So pretty yeah. much par for the course. But we walk in and we take a look, and the first table has a bunch of NES games and SNES games. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me just take a quick glance. They were all sports games, uh, 20 bucks and up. Oh, that's a lot. Like a, a John Madden Genesis game. Like not worth it. 25 bucks. Yeah, those are a dime a dozen. I it's funny you mentioned that because last time I went to a flea market, this was years and years ago because I haven't been to a flea market in ages. I bought a bunch of NES games. I bought RC Pro M, I bought Castlevania 2, and I bought uh, Metroid. And like they were like 10 bucks each. Yeah, which is like the the like for Metroid and things like that, it's probably worth it. Like that's the ceiling I'm willing to pay for a game there. The game I regret not getting is I remember my video store was selling off all their uh, SNES games and they had Earthbound. Like, like the, the big, big box bo- version. With, with the big box. That was the only version. Yeah. And I with loved that game. So I rented it and I wanted to buy it and then I never ended up buying it and now I regret it because I know that game. That game is actually worth something because they sold so few of them. Absolutely worth something. And that was a wonderful game. The fact that it had to come with a strategy guide tells you what um, uh, Nintendo Japan thought it was. Yeah, it was so weird, but so good. Great music, too. I agree, and you could also play that on the uh, the SNES Classic, too, right? So, But I don't think it's on the Switch SNES oh, like the, games. I don't think so. Hold on. So no, I don't think up. it is. I mean, I have that upstairs. I can go look. but Well, no, I'm just going to Google it. Yeah, please leave this podcast. No, it's on there. Yeah, okay. I just haven't looked. Well, let me just double uh, check pl- to make sure. It's funny enough. Like I thought I would have played that way more. But I think the idea of classic gaming is more interesting to me than actually playing classic games. I agree. Uh, no, it's not anymore. Then why was it list- being listed there? Weird. Okay, never mind. Uh, that is, uh, yeah, go try it out. It's a wonderful RPG. Um, uh, I very, have it on my Wii U. Yeah, it, it's very um, uh, different than a usual fantasy RPG. I loved it, though. Like It was just so novel to me that, oh, my he's a little kid who likes to play baseball. So he has a baseball bat with him and he hits aliens with it. That makes so much sense. Did you ever play Undertale? Yeah. Without Earthbound, there is no Undertale. That makes sense. In certain ways. In, it, great. in some of the, the gameplay stuff, yeah. Undertale is obviously a lot darker in nature with certain things. With <laughs> yes, it, of course. Right? Uh, but a great game. Really like tugs at the emotions too, right? It's, mm. it's very well done. Very oh, modern. I, I completely forgot to mention this, and I think this is the way that we're going to cap things off. But I don't know if I told you last week I bought Cuphead, and it is uh, both stimulating and frustrating, and I love it. That was was a Xbox exclusive for a while, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. And now but it's you have it on Switch. I'm assuming I have it on Switch. Yeah, I was on sale, so I decided why not. Oh, and and while we're talking about the Switch, I just sent in a second pair. I haven't sent them in yet, but I'm sending in another pair of uh, Joy Cons because of uh, Continental Drift. And what did I tell you to do? Stop gaming. I told you to stop gaming, Angela. Stop. You and your family need to stop gaming and start exploring the uh, the hills around you when you drink your THC-infused water. If I told my son that now, he'd be so upset with me because he just got Let's Go Eevee. <laughs> I like it. Like days ago, is that a, like a congrats on finishing school gift? Yeah. Well, he came down to see me. He's like, he brought me like a little note. And he's like, can, and it said, can you please buy me Let's Go Eevee? Do you have problems communicating in your, in your No, in your it was just like a nice little thing of, of the way he wanted to be. Like he gave it to me a little card and stuff in an envelope. It was cute. So he won you over. He won me over. Do you want to list off your address and see who else can win you over with, with mail? No, thanks. Actually, you know what? If anyone will hit me up, I will gladly accept double density mail on your behalf and give it to you. 
Yeah, let's start opening up fan mail. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, let's definitely do that. I would like to see like uh, a one piece of fan mail, and then if anyone wants to mail unmarked marijuana to Angelo, then that's doable too. <laughs> Great. <laughs> With that, let us head on over to the paranormal section. Double Density presents the Three Titans. <laughs> Welcome back to Double Density. Now, as always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. We have one thing and one thing only this week. The only thing that UFO Twitter slash UAP Twitter is talking about is the recently released UAP report from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. A primary assessment, nine pages long, from the 25th of June, 2021. Angela, your initial impressions. What are they? Because I have thoughts. You have thoughts. Let's hear it. Well, this has dominated our podcast for the last few weeks uh, with us talking about it ourselves, with having Chris on, with having Rob on, like this is everything that is taking up time in, in like for people like us that... I was going to say sucking it, up oxygen. Well, so the people like us that fall on, you know, the, how the paranormal has its different factions and we are very much interested in the whole UFOs and what they are, slash now UAPs and what they are. And I... Because I feel they're they're the most fun to talk about, the most fun to imagine about the the things that I cut, like started on, and have become so much more skeptical about in the last I don't know fifteen years. But you know they they were the things that really interested me. Like wow, there's aliens, they're abducting people. Wow, this is insane. Why don't people talk about this more? And it's because <laughs> it really wasn't the case. Yeah. So this report, I didn't realize they had like focused in on 144. Yeah, that's an interesting number events yeah and it basically comes out and says we figured out uh one of these 143 and it was like a sad deflating balloon <laughs> yeah so like, and it's such yeah. a and it's such a perfect image of the way ufo twitter approached this is like them reading this report they've become a sad deflating balloon yeah I, I do feel like there's a subset of, of the internet that has been obsessed with this and has gotten on the bad wing and like let's say like in the last like two years who really was like let down and as we, we've been saying to anyone who's listening to this podcast is that we figured this would be part of the course and uh, in my assessment of it um, last month we talked about this last week with Rob I did believe that this was um, uh, I feel like this is a soft launch here or a soft request for more security money right because if you read a lot of what it says here, like if you skip the executive summary and you go down to, um, I think page five or six, you know, UAP threatened flight safety and possibly national security, right? That's your headline right there is that you, they want more money for um, uh, surveillance material, essentially. And this is their way of asking for it by saying we are able to identify um, uh, one of these 144 objects. We need help um, in the future to um, downplay that. And the very credible risk of it's kind of funny because I see these people being like, well, you know, we need to defend against otherworldly creatures, right? But if these are terrestrial in nature, then these are um, heavily armed, in theory, um, uh, drones and other objects um, that are just patrolling, um, you know, uh, national skies. Yeah, like coming into U.S. airspace if it's not uh, one of the uh, five different things, right? So they they have they they set it separated into five different 
types of possibilities. Right, Brian? Are we talking? Yes. So uh, the first is that <laughs> UAP slash UFOs could be airborne clutter, including yeah, birds and, and balloons. Yeah, poor birds. Like, what? It's awful that they consider them airborne clutter. The geese I, I see down by the water will probably be very mad at this when I tell them next week. The second one is natural atmospheric phenomena, including ice crystals. One of the things that many skeptics are throwing out there is that these instruments, a lot of them may be picking up stuff like this, and it throws off the what they're seeing and what the pilots are seeing. And of course, the believers, or whatever you want to call them, will tell the skeptics saying, well, you just don't know how those things work. You think these pilots don't know how these things work and all that. Obviously, they do know how it works, but they can be fooled as well. Like, Obviously, if one of them was a deflating balloon, how many of them were things like deflating balloons? The third one is um, USG, or Industry Develop- Developmental Programs. So this would be US-based things that are flying, but the military doesn't know about it which I find kind of hard to believe that the military wouldn't know about the, like wouldn't private companies have to get things uh, cleared? Yes. So, um, but you got to remember there are a multitude of clearances and also the way that a lot of these shops operate is in a silo model. So you don't know necessarily what's going on and you're not told until you absolutely need to. And people may have followed. This is not an absolute need to. Okay. So they just, and they just leave it, because uh, so the second line is, we are unable to confirm whether, uh, however, the, whether these systems are accounted for in any of the UAP reports we collected, which is basically saying we tried our best to find out whether or not um, a lot of this top secret and above stuff is, uh, you know, ours in the making, and uh, we don't want to talk about it right now because I feel like if they had ad- admitted any of this, that opens the door to more investigations into um, what the military industrial complex is actually doing. So the people that did the report may not know, but then. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's not military. Yes, exactly. Because once again, it is literally siloed out um, shops that do their own thing. And sometimes, um, you know, need to know is a very real thing from what I understand from the factual based reading I've done and not just reading Jason Bourne books, you know, like we don't know what it is, right? That's, that's the main takeaway is not, oh, it's, it's gotta be aliens or it's gotta be like the Chinese or it's gotta be the Russians. No, we, the main answer here is we don't know, which is great because that's the truth, right? If if obviously they don't know what it is. I mean, Angela, um, do they do they not know though? No, well, I'm not. Like, I'm not going to play that game because I've seen it played a lot. That like this week of saying like, well, of course they're going to lie. And like, yes, I do yeah. actually believe that there is way more than they're letting on. Um, but like you and I have talked about, I do feel it is terrestrial in nature and very weaponized. What I was thinking is that some of us, like me and you, are going to say, okay, we don't know, so we need more information to make a determination of what exactly it is. We have our hypothesis that in your case, you're saying it's likely terrestrial in nature. And then other people are going to say, oh, we don't know, therefore aliens. So let's rewind things a bit because I feel like we didn't finish the list of things off, right? So the other um, uh, category four of five of what a UAP may be to the government is a foreign adversary system, including something deployed by China, Russia, another nation, which is interesting, or a non-governmental Canada. entity. It's um, us, Brian. Jeff Bezos, Elon uh, Musk. Are they running oh, yeah. drones around? Are they running drones with like knives on them? into uh, <laughs> protected U.S. airspace. Elon Musk would be flamethrowers. True, true. And uh, building tunnels where you shouldn't build tunnels. Yeah. And, and of course, the other one, the last one, number five, is other. Basically anything else. Yeah. And I'm just going to so read this. this is where aliens would be. Exactly. 
Um, so this is kind of the catch-all, right? Although most of the UAP described in our data set probably remain unidentified due to limited data or challenges to collection, processing, or analysis, we may require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect on, analyze, and characterize some of them. We have group such objects in the category pending scientific advances that allow us to better understand them. Very interesting that they're saying, like, we don't yet understand what's going on. Um, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Doesn't mean it's not terrestrial. Um, but basically, they're calling in for more um, um, ways in which to both uh, collect the data and then analyze the data, right? So I do honestly, once again, feel that this is a demand for more money. Of course. And they're saying it could be anything from obviously aliens to like flying fish <laughs> to um, people that live on another plane. I'm, I'm have, reading sorry, the have we ever really, prophecies now. Have we ever so really like, done uh, an Atlantis show? An episode, like a themed Atlantis? Like we could talk about Edgar Casey and things like that. Uh, maybe I'll do that. I'll prep that in the next couple of weeks. Though I do feel bad. There are a number of things that I promise never do, just like the, uh, the Heaven's Gate cult. Forgot. Did a lot of reading about that. Then uh, it never became uh, an episode. Sometimes, you know, all the money we make from this podcast, you have to put it in different things, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, our, our R&D department is, is huge right now. We're, yeah. we've, we've got seven on the double density research and development side. Yeah, get Steph on it. If you had an R&D budget, what would you like? What is one thing that you would want to like build? I mean, for the podcast or just like, uh, let's general? go, let's go for the podcast first. Like, is there something that you, that you would like a team to work on with the podcast? Um, I would want to hire a band, like an actual band to make like bumpers and things. Well, you don't feel we're talented enough. No, I do feel, but like, wouldn't it be fun to be in the style of, I like to just delegate things to. Yeah. They, <laughs> yes. Literally delegate paying people for their services, like a bartering of like goods and services. That's possible. I, I think I would get like a better microphone too. That's not R&D though. That's just asking people for money. Oh yeah, that's true. I want to research and develop new themes for this podcast. For example, musical themes. Okay, good. We each have our own leitmotif. I was, yeah, Whenever exactly. we start talking, it starts exactly. playing in the background. I want diegetical sound all over the place. Uh, right. Before, okay, so <laughs> what I foresee for you though on the R&D side of things in your life is a team coming with new magic tricks. Yeah, that's always great. There's nothing wrong with that. Like you can start your own books for that. No, but I mean like a living, breathing entity that you work with to find new stuff, and then you get to claim the credit because it's your money, like pulling this together. I could be my own like magical Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be like a uh, cutthroat billionaire who does who who may or may not deserve the guillotine, sure. What about Bigelow? Well, I mean, there's lots of things to say about him. What do you want to start with? He he didn't get really mentioned in this, but he's no. <laughs> he's at the he's like at the forefront of the whole thing, right? Like so he has he been, was in it in it close with Harry Reid, yes. which is why it's which is sort of got started in the early two thousands. Yeah. And then also before that, um, I was listening to a Stan Freeman episode um, interview from 1997-1998 where he was saying that like he had done with Robert, he had done work with Robert Bigelow and was paid for it. And then he was mentioning how Bigelow always makes sure to pay participants in whatever projects he's got going on, which I found very interesting. Yeah, he's like the he's he's not Trump. <laughs> no, yeah, he actually pays everyone around him. Yes, yeah. Um, but to, like Bigelow's been a big shot for like thirty plus years at this point. When we really think about it, or like twenty five plus years, let's say. And he's really into this, and I, I do wonder if he has anything that no one really knows about. Um, so there is, so just sort of related to that comment, there is an appendix to this, which basically just outlines what different terms mean. But um, uh, I've seen a lot of Twitter chatter unconfirmed about there being a quote-unquote like real appendix with the real proof. Really? 
Yes. So, like, listing off the incidents and, like, um, a lot more of the uh, evidence that they've collected. I don't necessarily believe that because uh, I feel like stuff like that would have leaked out to the press. That's really, con- that's like conspiracy theory 101. Really, this is, this was bound to happen. This report was going to come out. We knew this was going to happen, that there are going to be people that say this is not the real report. They're not telling us the whole truth. They don't know. Like, that's the thing. They, they it was Chris who was saying, right? These people are not any smarter than anybody else. They're just no. in a position of power because, well, they have money or something else. But it's not like they're they're brilliant. Have you ever watched like these congressional hearings sometimes, especially like the tech ones, where they're like asking Tim Cook about like how to like get better battery life from their yes. iPhone? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, all of this is kind of just an incredible like um, tangled web of of different confluences, really. Yeah, and the problem is a lot of these people heading some of these uh, different groups are biased in in horrible, horrible ways. Like, look at, I'll bring it back to Luis Elizondo again. Like, I talk about him every week, but he tries to pretend he's not biased, but he has a huge bias, right? Like, he, I'm sure he was like a hardcore x-files fan and he was really excited about ufos and somebody asked him hey what do you want to do and i'm like i want to work on ufos and call them uaps (laughs) so just to quickly come back to the idea of these being people right so a lot of the time if you're filing in canon atip and i was talking i think with chris about this and then or a FOIA request right to get information uh, pertaining to something the more you know contextually the better off you'll be because they um if you don't know what you're looking for where it will easily be forgotten what do you mean by that so if you if someone tells you look for this specific name from these specific reports, then these people may locate the reports. But if you say there are documents without giving specifics, the FOIA office will come back to you and say you're you're doing too broad. So unless you're very specifically saying I'm looking for um, mentions of X within Y within Z, let's say or by Z, um, they can sort of give you that as to whether or not it's redacted. That's another story entirely. But unless you know what you are doing for at the outset, it is very difficult to get something back that you can action on. Okay, so basically whatever gets spit back at you is in most cases usually useless. Usually useless, yeah. Or what they'll do is it leads you to ask further refined questions. But the thing is, like in Canada and the States, um, these requests take months, if not years sometimes too, right? So you got to like get it right the first time or else it's uh, a waste uh, of time. A waste of time and also very problematic because a lot of these people are doing it for jobs, right? So if you're a reporter looking for information on something, knowing exactly what to ask for from the outset will actually maybe help you out in getting uh, you know, your report out into the world versus not knowing what to ask for going three rounds seven years later when you're at a different job, right? So um, the whole reason I mentioned this is like obviously there's a culture of secrecy around um, uh, the, a lot of this data and we haven't seen it yet. But the idea that like there is another secret report to me is strange. And but I do hope if people decide to file FOIA requests or ATIP requests beyond this, I know that the Black Vault does a lot of this. But if they can now use any part of this report to more properly center themselves on their searches in the future, then like Godspeed. And I think that's a win for a subset of the UFO community that actually likes information. I think the problem we have with this whole topic is that it's so tainted that no matter who touches it, there's never going to be a full satisfaction out there, right? So, for example, unless let, okay, so unless uh, aliens come down, a gong is rung, and then a proclamation of what went right and what went wrong is read. Yeah, well, but that's not going to happen. But like, like the problem is like so. Les, Leslie Kane writes an article or a story or a book about this. Well, people like me are going to be like, well, she's totally biased on one side of the thing, mm-hmm. and then let's say Mick West writes a book. Well, 
the other side of the camp is going to say, well, no, uh, he's totally biased. He doesn't believe in any of this. He's a debunker. Yeah. So no matter who writes something, even I think that somebody from completely outside of the sphere has to come in, a good reporter, a good investigative reporter, or somebody has to come in and write about this. Yeah. Like somebody like Michael Lewis, I wonder if he would be able to, like, you know, the guy who, write, who wrote the big short, and I just yeah, read yeah. his book about, uh, called The Premonition about the pandemic. I wonder if, like, if he has no horse in this race and has no interest either way, he would be great to write this whole, because he's really good at writing these types of stories. I love this idea. And sort of, I had a twin question for you to start with this. Do you think the moment of the, like, VOAP's moment in the sun as, like, a newsworthy item is, like, sunsetting unless some big revelation gets made very soon? Because I feel like this is the natural conclusion. We're, uh, we're closing the door to, like, what first brought, got, a, got brought up in, in 2017, right? I think so. And um, I was saying before um, that I'm reading the Mothman prophecies. And in it, John Keel mentions how, like, there's always been spurts of interest in the topic, right? In like the late 1800s with the airships and then in the 40s with the Mount Rainier sighting and then Roswell and all that stuff. And then in the the 60s and then 70s with bringing up the Roswell stuff again, then the 90s because of the X-Files. And now at, you know, at uh, in like the uh, from 2017 and on because of that first, that article in uh, New York Times. And then of course our friends, at uh, to the Stars Academy, I mean, we use friends uh, very broadly here. The more, yeah. the more acquaintances, like we saw them, like well, like once or twice at like informal get-togethers in twenty eighteen, yeah. twenty nineteen. We yeah, shook hands. They don't remember my name. It's fine. Yeah, and now you know with with this final report, I think you're right. This this might be the end of it unless there's some huge revelation, which. I'd be shocked if there was. Yeah, because I want to come back to your idea of someone coming into the the paranormal field or the UAP field or the UFO field. And um, it is something in a perception that we have both seen and it's something that I forgot to bring up with Rob, but the idea of uh, you being a reporter and like slumming it, right, with these kinds of stories. That's always been a problem, right? Like, uh, was it Rob who mentioned it and Chris as well? Like, usually they don't get like real New York Times reporters to to discuss this. It's like somebody like Leslie Kane, who obviously has a huge interest in it, having written a book about it. And then she, she also wrote a book about the life after death. Right. So she has an interest in the paranormal and from the approach that this stuff is real and we don't know. So just before I forget, are you holding out any information on me here? Do you know something that I don't about um, UFOs, UAPs, uh, little gray men, large, Venusians or any sort of other um, uh, unworldly entity that you would like to mention here on Double Density, episode 167. I do not recall. (laughs) Yeah, I do feel like we need more, like that's the thing is like, how do we legitimize this in certain ways, right? Because the thing is like, coming back to like, even just the subset of like naysayers and believers, just the subset of general public versus those interested in this, right? Like you need to pull their attention somehow apart from it being like a quirky thing, right? Like how do you bring substance to this? And I'm really not quite sure what that looks like because um, the body of evidence you would need to sort of like convert someone into finding this interesting or actionable in some way I think it has to do with like either actual um, like found objects or, you know, uh, a, a 3D living alien. Yeah. And, and the term quirky makes sense here. Like just having watched that CBC report about it. Yeah. That's yeah. I, mm. Right. Like the, the music and who they re, who they interviewed. It's like they don't know who these people are that are approaching it, them. 
to four interviews and they're not the best interviewees. Like somebody like Jeremy Corbell, you're not going to get facts from him. You're going to get no. his spin on it and then he's going to point you to one of his projects. Well, that's the problem. In calling things a documentary, it gets me a little uh, uh, mad. And I guess it's because I've been reading a lot of like film theory books in the last couple of days. It's just, it's rotted my brain in certain ways. But I do feel like there needs to be a, another term for this type of documentary. Like not necessarily like an activist documentary, but almost like a personal essay. It's not a documentary. Yeah, like something like what Michael Moore does as well. Yeah, personal essays, personal visual essays. Because to me, um, uh, documentary rely like suggests an objectivity that people with a lot of these like personal visual essays don't bring to the table necessarily. Like, yes, does everyone have an opinion on the subjects that they're documenting? For sure. But the question is like, how much of that do you let get in front of the camera, especially in a documentary? That's a problem with all documentaries, though. Really, like, are there any documentaries you feel are objective? And don't have the spin of the of the creator on them. I think in certain ways, like maybe certain nature documentaries, uh, and I mean those without narration, because I feel like even the narration is a form of bias. Yeah, like we we just watched Tiny World on Apple TV Plus, and Paul Rudd is amazing because like his narration makes the show because it makes it hilarious. Yeah, but just imagine no Paul Rudd, just naturalistic sounds, right? Like, and to me, that to me is more of a documentary. Yeah, because you're documenting what these uh, animals do. But then the you get the, into the whole discussion of like, you know, your shots or your lenses are political based on the fact that you decide to show or not. Like, the, I've gone down this rabbit hole um, yeah. academically before, and it's a lot of fun to think about. But to me, um, just to come back to, to Jeremy Corbell, like, that's not a documentary, dude. That is just your thoughts and your thesis coming from you. There's no objectivity to it. No, you're right. It, it's hard to t- call those documentaries. But again... Michael Moore didn't he win an Academy Award for Best Documentary? Like, yes, and, but it's not necessarily documentary. I, I was entertained. Yeah, that's but, the thing is that like it's once again it's a personal visual essay. It's not a documentary, and where that line gets drawn is really hard to sort of like dictate. But I do feel like there is a differentiation being there, and I do feel like real documentarians would need to come in and like you're saying, someone from from outside this realm who may not have given this like a passing thought, and now they want to give it a shot. Yeah, what about that flat earther documentary? What about it? They they documented that. Yes. Uh, but once again, your cuts are political, right? So if they want to make them look stupid, they'll find the stupidest sort of like lines that they say. I felt they didn't make them look stupid though. Like, no, but what I'm saying them- is that like that, but that is what I'm saying is like even they they probably even chose for like a uh, comedic effect or dramatic effect. Yeah, they, well there definitely was some of that, right? But yeah. No no documentary is gonna be perfect. I, I just watched uh the like after many years, right? It came out years ago. I watched the Jinx. Yes, yeah. That was weird. I've been watching Florabama uh, Jersey Shore. No, Florabama Shore. I don't know what that is. So it is uh, Florida and Alabama, as well as like uh, teens from other parts of the South who come down and party. And it is uh, uh, obviously by the same creators, Jersey Shore. And I'm late to the game. It's on on Crave. Oh, watch it with the kids. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Especially the first episode. There's no drinking or peeing or anything at all. Great. Um, so yeah, I mean, this. coming back to the the core issue or the core topic at hand here on episode 167, uh, is there some kind of numeric code involved in that? Probably not. Uh, but maybe we can make <laughs> our listeners believe that we're starting like the Bible code or something. Maybe the UAP code. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, once again, uh, when it comes down to it, the TLDR to me is that clearly there's a request for money to do more analysis and more data collection. And will it be granted? Probably based on the fact that they're playing up the national security angle. Did, did I read it in this 
um, in this, or was it just in a, an article that they explained why they changed it from UFO to UAP? I think it was in an article, right? Like they don't really talk about the change of no, they UFOs don't. to UAP. Um, I feel like it's the explanation there is that it's UFOs have the stigma attached to it, but now UAPs have it, right? UAPs like are just yeah, are just like a new level of UFO or a, like a new era of flying saucer. I, the first time I heard this was when I read Leslie, Leslie Kane's book, right? And and John Podesta. I think John Podesta coined the term. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I want to say that, but if only his emails were available to us. Yeah, do huh. you want to let's look into that? <laughs> no, let's not look into that. No. But once again, I do feel like UAP is just like new persona unlocked, right? We had the UFO, yeah. and now we have the UAP. It's the same. I'm still going to call them UFOs, which is why I'm enjoying the Mothman prophecies. Never does he say UAP because they didn't <laughs> exist yet. Uh, so another quick summary of those 144 reports, 80 of those involves people, uh, multiple people seeing the same thing. And of the 144, um, there were 21 reports in 18 incidents. So 18 incidents with multiple reports filed. Um, they uh, observed unusual movement, which I thought was really interesting. What could it be, right? Like this, this is where it comes down to. Um, so the, what's nice though is that they did narrow down those 144 to like a smaller subset where, okay, these maybe are even more interesting than the other 144 yeah. or than the total. Yeah. Um, and this dates back from the Tic Tac incident, I guess, because it's November 2004 too. They don't list off when in 2021 this, this report ends, right? So that was very amusing to me. That And that whole Tic Tac thing, like, didn't we talk about it even before? Yes. I uh, got mentioned we. Like it was, we talked about it, yeah, because it was the Nimitz, right? Like that's that's where it came from, and then um, I think it's because of our show that it took off, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we are the harbingers of all things uh, UAP related. Uh, here, hold on. Let me just quickly use the power of the internet to see if we actually did list off what we talked about. Double density twenty Hold on a sec. Yeah, uh, double NC uh, 26. So October 2017. And that was before the uh, the whole, uh, right? Because the article came out in December 2017. Correct. So we kind of, uh, we did it, Angelo. We scooped them by months. <laughs> by, by months. Even though this has been like, this has been a video that's been laying around since essentially like 2007 or 2008, right? Yeah, I, but it, that was the first time I saw it. Like you, right. you brought it to my attention. So uh, you know, I feel like this is a good place to end uh, episode one sixty seven of Double Density. If you have any thoughts, concerns, issues, items you wish to discuss with either of us, do you want to talk about the report? Do you want to you know let us know how you feel about retro gaming or uh, you know archiving um, pieces of like digital data? You can always uh, email us at double density podcast at gmail .com, or if you want to. Tweeted us at double underscore density, or you can even DM us. Our DMs yeah. are open. Our, I, yeah. I obviously read all of them. Angela reads zero of them. No, and it I read shows my DMs. It shows no, you don't read the show's DMs. No, never. There we go. I don't even like, yeah, I don't, I don't even. Yeah, I've, I don't so know. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but I've started like uh, 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 acting as like an entity on our show Twitter just because it's funny to get you to comment on it. Yeah, it's great. So you can check us out at double underscore density once again and double density podcast over on Instagram. Angela, people can find you at Angela Furon on Twitter, correct? Yeah, and I, I go to Twitter every once in a while. It's not on my Twitter apps. I have two. I use the 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 regular one, and I have Tweetbot. They are in my so app why do you folders. have both? I explain, don't have them on my home. Explain page. to me why you have both. So the main Twitter app is a mess. Like it's not chronological, right? Like it kind of shows you what it thinks it you want to see. Whereas what I like about Tweetbot is it's chronological. I see because you are my whole thought is like you you barely get on Twitter anyway. So you need but you need two apps for that. 
Yeah, I go on Twitter like once a day. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm terminally uh, deadly uh, black pill tied to, to Twitter, and I think I need to figure out how to like extricate myself a little more. But people keep Delete sending me it. stuff, and I can't look away. Delete your account. Delete that, as uh, Lars Ulrich's father said in uh, uh, what is the, what's the the documentary? Why am I blanking here? Oh, some kind of monster. That's it. Okay, good. Wow. Uh, we could talk about. Uh, we'll talk about rock docs another time. Why don't we do that while we're at it? Sure, those are fun. I just watched the ZZ Top one. Oh, good. I watched the Sam Dunn, uh, 1971, the, guy, the year that uh, changed music. Oh, uh, did you learn anything? No, it was, it was interesting. What, Apple, what act- Apple, Apple TV Plus, not many shows. Most of them are really good. What uh, act uh, from 1971 uh, did, like, it most struck you? And are you listening to it? Uh, Marvin Gaye, actually. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I feel like you'd enjoy his instrumentation. Yeah, no, it was really great. I listened to it on a, um, on a walk. Uh, the other day, were you nice singing yourself? Morning walk, mother, what? mother. Were you singing to yourself? Yeah, as I walked down the path. <gasps> That's that, great. And uh, I mean, the Stones were talked about. Um, little known artist named David Bowie, who getting his start. Yeah. Uh, did you ever grow up listening to Bowie? Before I forget, not really. No, a little bit. I was more of a Beatles person. Right. So the wife beater. What? <laughs> John Lennon. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like John Lennon's problematic in many ways. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, speaking of problematic, I watch uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and uh, <laughs> I uh, I noticed like there's a few a few ones with um, Keith Richards, yes, and uh, in the mo- in the latest one from 2017, uh, Paul McCartney's in it. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. So related to that, I I don't know if you can see this, but I I just finished a book called Fiasco, Fiasco, a history of uh, Hollywood's iconic flops by um, James Robert Parrish, and in there is a whole uh, chapter about Cutthroat Island. Cutthroat Island. Oh, that's the movie with with uh, Matthew Dean and uh, Gina Davis. Gina Davis, right? Yeah, yeah. So I just I I completely forgot how her. And Rennie Harlan, the director, were like married and it got to yeah. the thing. I need to, and also it was supposed to be like, was it supposed to be Matthew Modine? It was actually supposed to be Michael Douglas originally, which was very interesting. Yeah, I remember that movie when it came out. It was a disaster. It was a disaster. And then Waterworld came out shortly after that. A uh, whole lot. Another disaster? No, not, not. I mean, that also did. Actually, no, it did it break even internationally. I'll have to double check on that, but I can't remember. I feel like we've meandered enough. I'm calling it. This is it. This has been episode 167 of the Double Density Podcast. Angela, any last words before I close things down? No, thanks for uh, talking UAPs with me. Uh, it's it's starting to be easier to say UAP. Right. You've now indoctrinated yourself. Yeah. Now, could you it, say it's So much so that I've sheeple. gone into the Mothman prophecies and crossed out UFO everywhere and changed <laughs> it with UAP. I love how we, at the outset, we're like, let's make a short episode. And we're like 50 minutes in now. This is just, it makes me laugh so hard. We're like, we have two things to talk about. We could do this. Yeah. I'll, I'll ignore my kids on my lunch hour tomorrow. <laughs> I think that's a good plan. But yeah, if anyone has any thoughts on UAPs or any thoughts about the things that we talked about today, double underscore density on Twitter as always. Angel, this has been a pleasure. I will see you next week probably. I will see you maybe in the skies, maybe on the ground, maybe inside of a cave, maybe in the lost continent of Linus. All right. Thanks, Dr. Seuss. See you around, Angelo. All right. Bye. <laughs>